Here's what's coming up on today's show. There's always going to be opportunities, and it's easy to get excited when stocks are making new highs, but the majority of the money is made in these bear markets. When you stick with your plan, you continue to buy good companies, and you're picking them up at better prices. When it comes to your finances, you don't want to be at a disadvantage. Tim Dyer can help. He's a wealth manager specializing in retirement planning and investment management, and he could be that financial coach that helps you achieve your goals in retirement. This is Retirement Power Play. Well, welcome into the Retirement Power Play. I'm Ben George. He is Tim Dyer, wealth manager at Dyer Wealth. Tim, how's it going today? It's going great. It's, it's going great. It's good to be back with you, Ben. It's yeah. been a while. It is. It is always great to talk to you. I know uh, next couple episodes are going to be a little bit more in the timely of the timely nature. We do a lot of evergreen stuff, but I think with the way the economy has been going, it's important to to pay attention to what's happening uh, around us. So I know you're getting questions about it. And today I wanted to kind of focus on the bear market uh, that we're in the middle of. Do you, do you have a lot of questions from people? Do you hear from clients often when we're in a market like this? Yeah, I think it's only natural to you to get inquiries and whatnot. I, you know, as I mentioned in some past episodes, we really try to uh, be on the forefront, and be proactive in communicating, um, you know, what's happening in the markets and accounts, so that they, you know, it's using the old pilot adage, right? I mean, if if, if there's turbulence ahead, we like to kind of make that announcement and get people prepared, so then when it happens, it's less of a surprise, um, which in essence can maybe lead to. Uh, less emotional thinking. Okay, very good. We're going to talk about how to survive it, um, some thoughts you need to have, some things you can be doing potentially. And we're going to do that by looking at what some, I guess, experts, uh, commentators are saying around us. Tim, I want to kind of throw some things your way and just see if you agree, disagree, and just kind of find out what you're talking to your clients about uh, as we go through this bear market. I think that's kind oh, of a good way. Oh, we're in the way. guru segment? <laughs> the guru segment? <laughs> I guess so, right? We can we could call it that potentially. Um, so I'm going to throw some things your way. Again, we're going to put this up, retirementpowerplaypodcast.com. That is the website. You can always call Tim if you want to discuss anything on your mind, want to talk about your portfolio during this bear market, or just want to get a plan in place. 858-459-3937 is that phone number. All right, Tim, uh, how about this one from equity strategist Phil Orlando? He says, expect the market to decline further over the summer, perhaps an additional 10%. And he says that he favors value stocks, energy, financial, healthcare industries, over growth stocks. He also says holding cash hasn't been this attractive in more than 20 years. What do you think about that? Well, I've met Phil Orlando. He's a good guy, and he's a, he's a smart guy. Um, but let me unpack that comment here. There's a couple of things in there. First of all, uh, from a jargon perspective, uh, right? Too much jargon, you get in that penalty box. <laughs> exactly. um, but but value stocks, let's just define what those are, because um, he had mentioned that that might be an area to, to allocate money in this situation. But value stocks are you know kind of loosely defined as companies where it's sort of from the Warren Buffett style, in that you're, you're trying to find companies that uh, are worth a dollar, but maybe they're selling for you know, 80 cents. I'm just kind of giving a mathematical example there. But they're, they're essentially trading for less than what they're worth on a per price, uh, per share price basis. So in, in the inverse of that would be growth stocks. And that's all the stuff that makes all the news and, uh, you know, uh, all the magazine covers stocks that are growth stocks that are really designed to almost, you know, buy high, sell higher because their earnings are growing so fast. So really since the financial collapse of 2008, 2009, uh, it's been growth stocks almost exclusively all the way. And uh, 
that's been represented by the, the, the top names in the S&P 500 are almost all growth stocks. Now, what Phil, I think, was alluding to is that, you know, maybe that tide is turning a little bit and looking for things that are, are discounts or value. It could be an option here. And I don't disagree with him. I think a diversified portfolio has a little bit of both in there. Uh, but just because the high flyers are starting to cool off a little bit, uh, I guess to put it lightly, um, it doesn't mean that there aren't things that aren't working out there. And companies that have been around a long time that pay good dividends and are che- uh, trading at a cheaper valuation uh, tend to fall in that value category. could be an opportunity. What do you think about his cash comment? Is this the most attractive time to, to hold cash in the last couple of decades? Well, in the short term, maybe, and there's a little bit of hindsight in there that makes some sense. But yeah. look, uh, we all know, uh, we, we joke about it, the amount of zeros after the decimal point before you get to a number uh, <laughs> that, that cash or money market pays. But you know, look, it's sub 1%, if you will, on a standard money market account. Um, now, when you're losing money, or I don't like to say losing money, but when you're seeing declines in values, Something that holds its value, um, even if it doesn't earn anything, starts to look more attractive. So I, you know, we tend to look at uh, cash as an as an investment alternative or an option, right? Meaning that if you're allocating to cash, you're allocating because you're either waiting for future opportunities or you're waiting to use it to spend uh, in the short term. Uh, but you know, I don't think, and statistics show that you know allocating it to something that um, either provides income or growth opportunities, historically, especially over longer term, is it's not that hard to beat that cash hurdle. But there's nothing wrong with having a little powder dry, as we say, to take advantage of some of the opportunities that are out there. I, you know, I think you'd mentioned uh, going back to the value stocks, some of the sectors that that applies to are, are energy, financial, healthcare, um, you know, whereas in, in you could kind of throw in materials, industrials, when we look at some of the major sectors. Um, a lot of the growth uh, stocks that we see out there kind of fit into the uh, technology sector or maybe the uh, consumer discretionary, right? Things that we buy that we don't necessarily have to buy, um, but we do. We call that sector consumer discretionary. And then the, uh, the, the addition of that would be consumer staples. So those would be... Uh, stocks and sectors of things that we need kind of on a day-to-day basis, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, just everyday household items, that type of thing. Anyways, I yeah. digress, but energy is, is a sector that w- had sort of fallen off the wayside for a long time, and same thing with utilities, and now here they're front and center. So uh, just like produce, things rotate with the seasons, and we're seeing it firsthand now. Well, you talked about having powder on the side and uh, maybe taking advantage of some opportunities, and that takes us right to what financial author Sam Robson uh, recently said. He said the bear market is a fantastic opportunity for long-term investors, with long-term being that key phrase. Yeah, well, let's define long-term. For uh, day traders, that's 10 minutes. (laughs) For people that are saving for retirement, that could be 10 years or more. I'm, I'm reminded of some statistics that uh, J.P. Morgan puts out. They've got a great piece. You can Google it, J.P. Morgan Guide to the Markets. And it's essentially a, a, you know, a, a PDF. Maybe it's, I don't know, I think it's like 80 or 100 pages. But in there, there's, there's different statistics. And one of the slides really shows, if you're looking at stocks on a one-year basis, there's a really wide range of returns. I think the best year was like 43% on a one-year basis. And the worst, you know, was somewhere in that 30, 33%. 
Don't quote me in exact numbers, but you directionally get where we're speaking here. Now you start to move that out five years, 10 years, 15 years, the, the range of returns get tighter, right? And so over, over 10 years, you know, um, the average rate of return is starting to push, you know, uh, eight to 12%, let's say. And the worst 10 year return that we saw was somewhere, I think it's, it was about 5%. But once you get to that 15, 20 year period, there are very, very few. I've, actually, I think in the 20 year period, there are no 20 year periods where the S&P 500, which we're using as a benchmark for stocks, but where the S&P 500 actually had a negative return. So, you know, you can sort of look at that as your long term benchmark. So, you know, anyways, getting back to the uh, the bear markets and opportunity on uh, on a short term, you know, it may may or may not be a good opportunity. But anytime you could pick something up for uh, a fraction of the cost or a discounted price, whether it's stocks or, you know, um, items from Nordstrom at their half sale, you know, half yearly sale, whatever that might be, it usually over a longer period of time uh, is advantageous for you. All right. It's all about long term and how you define that. All right. How about this one? Um, financial journalist Bill Stone said there's a silver lining to these recent reviews of the stock and bond market damage in that there's a decent amount of bad news that's already baked into asset prices. Uh, he goes on to suggest the timing of the end, the end of the bear market is impossible, which we know. We talk about that. Mm -hmm. But the eventual rebound is typically explosive and to look for that before the economy recovers. Mm. Well, okay. First of all, we're talking about bull and bear markets, right? Uh, we'll kind of define that real quickly. A, uh, a bear market is a decline from the most recent high of 20%. Now, who came up with this? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but it is sort of this, this, I guess you could call it a rule of thumb, that when they've sort of pierced that 20% level, uh, the overall scenario in the market, maybe the sentiment has changed. So it's, it's a line of demarcation that says, okay, we haven't just had the daily swings that are normal. We've now had swings that have sort of exceeded what is, what is normal on kind of a yearly or, or a, you know, monthly or yearly level. But bear markets are not uncommon. In fact, I think since 1950, there's been, uh, I think it's 16 or 17 of them. And so, you know, they happen every three or four years. And typically, it takes them about 18 months from when they start to hit the low point. Uh, and then the recovery of that, you know, can take, you know, that can take 24 to 36 months. You know, there's plenty of statistics online, depending on what index you're looking at to support that. But we like to say the market sort of goes up the escalator and it goes down the elevator, right? It's sort of a long, the market goes up two thirds of the time. It's, 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 but it's not creating new highs all the time. Sometimes it's recovering from those losses. So those are all normal um, scenarios of a typical market cycle. But getting back to the, the that journalist's comment, you know, a lot of a lot the the stock market is forward looking, and so some of the news that that people are worried about is known, and it's it's priced in to a certain degree. I'll give an example. At the beginning of the year, Ukraine was really front and center. You know, scary situation, tragic situation. But Ukraine, the, the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine is still going on. But we've moved on to the next topic as far as it mm -hmm. comes to, you know, economic impact. And now we're talking about inflation. Um, and we're talking about other, other things in the economy, the rise of the dollar, the, the cost of gas, oil, uh, grocery products, right? So this is now the new topic du jour. And the market is adjusting to that. 
and and it adjusts to a point where you know the valuations of companies they start to move more in line with where they you know the historical averages have been and you know you can make a pretty good argument that where stocks are now you know they're they're brushing up on where their historical averages have been if you're if you're talking about it from a price to earnings standpoint so you know we'll dig into the math on that in a in a separate you know uh, episode but i mean i i think the key here is that there's always going to be opportunities and it's easy to get excited when stocks are making new highs but the majority of the money is made in these bear markets when you stick with your plan you continue to buy good companies and you're picking them up at better prices well, let's talk about allocations for a minute, uh, which is important when, when you're building a, a portfolio out, but especially in a time like this when you're re-eva- reevaluating things. But this collection of advisors in this recent Go Banking Rates article, they shared the following advice. Do not change your allocation in your 401k following a market downturn without first making sure you have a thought out, long-term, strategic financial plan in place. Yeah, Seems I practical. Laugh. Yeah, I mean, sure it is. That that kind of falls into the Captain Obvious uh, category of things, right? But um, but the, what we advise our clients is we say, listen, um, you know, ignore your ignore your statements, right? But we don't leave it at that. There's, there's sort of the you know dot 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 after that. But ignore your statements only after your portfolio has been you know allocated or diversified, as we say into the strategies or investments that are pointing towards the goals you're trying to achieve, right? I guess in English, it's like once your, your account has been reviewed and you're confident and you understand why you're invested in these specific mutual funds or stocks or indexes, whatever it might be, once you have clarity around that, let it do its thing, you know? And if you need to sort of top it off or rebalance that portfolio in, uh, in, in conditions like we are in now, especially where we're seeing opportunities in areas that haven't uh, provided as much opportunity, say, in the last 10 years. But get that, you know, get that tuned up, feel confident about what you're doing and that it's pointing in the right direction, and then ignore it. Hmm. It's very interesting. But, yeah, this seems like pretty obvious advice for the most part, but something we <laughs> definitely definitely would agree with. Um, I'll say a couple more things here that I want to run by you. Um, Warren Buffett very famous um, investor. He's often quoted quite a bit, but he had two famous pieces of advice during a down market, and they seem a bit contradictory, though. So let's see what you make out of these. The most important thing to do if you find yourself in a hole is to stop digging. That's the first one. The second one, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. We've heard both of those, but they seem to kind of go against each other. Can you make some sense of that for me? I think my mom used to say that if, you know, <laughs> when I was trying to get out of something I'd done or I was in trouble, you know, just, you know if you find yourself, you know, a whole tip, stop digging, you know, <laughs> quit making it worse. Um, but, well, look, if, if in, in the markets that we've seen, again, here we are in 2022, markets are down, you know, a little less than 20% this year after a recent little bounce back. But my point is that the 10 or so years leading up to this have been pretty strong. And when we are getting good results and good returns uh, across the board, people tend to kind of maybe uh, intentionally or inadvertently increase their risk or risk tolerance. And so maybe they take on some names or maybe they take a, you know, quote unquote flyer on a stock that they heard, you know, could be a a big winner. Um, And, you know, that's fine. But when things start, 
not working, now's the time to kind of clear the deck. And this isn't where you want to press that issue. Um, this isn't maybe where you want to double down on that high flyer um, because some of those things don't come back in the method that maybe good established companies do. Okay. Um, and, and so there's a, there's kind of a wave. You can Google this. There's a great graph out there. It's called the cycle of market emotions, but it, it kind of goes like this, you know, leading up mm -hmm. to market highs, you've got optimism and then excitement and then thrill, then euphoria, and then it starts to sort of swing back down. Then you've got anxiety, then there's denial about the decline, and then it turns into fear and desperation and then panic. And then, uh, you know, capitulation, and then it starts to work its way back up again. Hope, yeah. <laughs> relief, optimism. I mean, I, I kind of went through the cycle of emotions there. But if you think about that, and you think about where we are right now, are we in euphoria? No. People are more worried than they are optimistic. Um, and, you know, that, that might be uncomfortable. But if you stop to think about it, maybe that means, I don't want to say we're closer to the bottom to the top, but, you know, in that cycle... Um, you know, we're heading now towards that bottoming part, wherever that means from the actual stock market indexes is to be determined. But, you know, only after stocks rise will people become optimistic. So, you know, going back, stop digging. If you've made some silly mistakes or dumb mistakes or even good risky mistakes that worked out, you know, now's the time to maybe tap the brakes on those, maybe make some sense to trim those holdings uh, take some tax uh, lost harvesting, uh, which is jargon for selling your losses, uh, to use those losses to offset uh, future gains. Um, so those are some strategies that you can use here. I think um, the, the second part of Mr. Buffett, greedy when, uh, when others are fearful, right? So ask yourself, uh, you know, are you fearful? Um, uh, you know, are you that person that smart or seasoned investors like Warren Buffett, who I think is, I mean, I think he's what, 92 now? Yeah, something <laughs> yeah. like that, yeah. Still going. And, uh, and all his little axioms still hold true, right? Because he's been through you know, hundreds of these cycles. But, you know, it, it is a time to just say, wait a minute, you know, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm scared. My neighbor's nervous and scared. My coworkers are scared. But wait a minute, if we think about this for a second, you know, maybe that means there's some opportunities. And that's part of the communication that we're having with our clients here, whether it's, you know, that are about to retire or recent retired is, okay, you know, in some areas there's, there's been some risks and some shifts in risk. But let's, let's think now, what are we doing to, you know, minimize the risk, but also to, to be optimistic and be prepared for these opportunities as they're now starting to present themselves. Uh, one last thing I want to kind of finish up with here, Tim, just to kind of close it all out and put a bow on this is, is looking at annual returns. And that's important to, to kind of keep in mind because these bear markets feel like they're a long time oftentimes. Right. But the numbers tell, say otherwise, correct? Yeah. Well, you've got an issue there of frequency and magnitude, right? Like how often do these things happen and they happen more than you think. Now to get to the, I'll use the air quotes again, you know, the actual uh, definition of a bear market, a 20% decline. Okay, maybe that happens a, a little less frequently. But if we look back to 1980, and we look at each calendar year, 80, 81, 82, you know, all the way up to 2022, the average intra-year decline is actually, you know, around 14%. Now, let me put that into some context. Let's say the market was up 20% to start the year instead of down like this year. But let's say it was up 20% and then it dropped 14%, okay, and the year ended. When you looked at the statistic, you say, oh, the stock market was up 6% uh, six, uh, 6 for the year, right? 
And, you, you know, that may or may not be good. I mean, it, I think that's pretty good. Um, but you have a positive return. And what I'm trying to illustrate here is as an investor, you actually saw your account go up 20% and then drop 14%. So, yes, you finished up 6% for the year. But what you feel is, hey, I was up 20%. You know, uh, I, I, you feel that drop of 14%. And that's the average drop that we've seen over the last 40 plus years, right? So uh, I think one of the most extreme examples was in 2020 where the, the market actually dropped 34% in 2020, but it closed the year up 16%. So the key takeaway here, Ben, is that markets experience these you know, double digit declines with high amount of frequency, um, you know, on a year over year basis, it, it happens. Um, things just can't go up the, you know, the, what do they say the, the green shoots can't just go to the sky. Um, but so, so to get outside of that and to get a bear market status is a little less, but these, these declines are not abnormal. And, um, you know, you, you can, you can review those statistics. That's also in that JP Morgan, guide to the markets. It's called the annual returns and intra-year declines. I think it's just a really smart chart that just puts, um, you know, uh, annual returns and the, the suffrage, if you will, or the declines along the way needed to get those returns in context. Right. Well, it's a great time to make sure you have a good financial plan in place. Make sure you're working with the financial advisor who can help you out through this and, and just make sure that you're staying on track and keeping that perspective, that long-term view of, uh, of your investments. So again, find us online. You can just log on retirementpowerplaypodcast.com. If you want to call Tim directly, you can always do that at 858-459-3937. And we're going to be talking a little bit about inflation next time up. I know it kind of ties into this subject a little bit here, but just kind of keep our conversation going on, the, going on about the current state of the markets. We'll do that on the next episode. So make sure you subscribe to the show. You don't want to miss that. Tim, always a pleasure talking to you, and uh, thanks for the insight. All right. Talk to you later, Ben. The commentary on this podcast reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, DBA Dire Wealth Management employees making such comment and should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Dire Wealth Management or performance returns of any Dire Wealth Management Investments client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. The opinions expressed in this podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referred for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Dire Wealth Management provides advisory services through Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Dire Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Dire Wealth Management unless a client service agreement is in place.